0: curse you microsoft
1: exactly yeah i um yeah i I really don't need skype to be a social network um i mean for me i only do one podcast it might as well just be a button with your face on it
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) there's a show title for you yes i've always wanted a button especially if it's like an amazon dash button with my face on it and you could just summon me and i would show up um, that that sounds that sounds uh, worse than it probably is. But uh,
1: there we yes. go. I'll, uh, I'll get on that straight after we finish recording. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. So so Rob, uh, we we need to talk about food because it's been a long time since we've really delved deeply into the 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 terrible corners of fast food. Across the globe, and you know, I, as bad as I think sometimes it is here in the U.S., and if you go all the way back to the Microburger Pizza that we discussed in Episode One of Ruminate, uh, it's pretty bad here in the United States. I mean, Pizza Hut and Microburger Pizzas endorsed by YouTubers—that was that was kind of crazy at the time. But but the UK has been really working on taking the title of awful fast food. And this is something I got to tell you, this is something I noticed when I was in London. When I'm in the greater Chicago area, it's not super easy to find a a KFC. I mean, there are a couple, but they're not close by. You have to kind of go looking for them. But when I was in London, there were KFCs everywhere.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't have the variety of fast food places that America does. Um, We we pretty much have McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, Subway. Like Those are the ones you can kind of guarantee are everywhere. And when you're in a big city like London or Manchester, places like that, you're going to find one every five or ten minutes.
0: Well, and one of the things that I saw when I was in London advertised just about everywhere for KFC was the Double Down. And no sooner had I returned to America... And I saw a tweet from you that you had done the double down.
1: I I did. I uh, yeah. It was um, yeah. I I we me and Jess were just out and about, and you know we we were near the KFC, and I said, oh, let's just go and grab some KFC. And I saw it, and it really it wasn't quite what I wanted. Um, you know, I was I was quite just looking forward to just some chicken, but somehow it's jump strikes.
0: Somehow it spoke to you, right?
1: Yeah, I I almost felt like it was my duty to do it. Um I mean as you say I am pretty sure if we if you go back to episode 1 we even mentioned the double down at that point.
0: Um, yes, Cuz those... it was out
1: in the Amer- out in America at that point. Um right. so I've really felt like I had
0: to have one. I think this is one of those one of those items that comes and goes from the menus here and there around the world, right? And and they are in fact, I think Pitching the double down here in America too, so this is this seems to be a transatlantic thing. I have not had an opportunity to go to do the double down, but why don't you explain for people exactly what is a double down?
1: So it's imagine yourself a sandwich, if you will, with cheese and some barbecue sauce, but instead of bread, you have two large pieces of chicken, <laughs> yes. um, and they're, and they're kind of in. I guess it's the kind of thing you might get like a burrito in. It's kind of like wrapped up like a burrito, and then it's it's in like a little sort of promotional cardboard sleeve, um, and it, it's really really messy. Like this is, you, you look at the adverts and it's like, oh, this person's just eating a lovely sandwich where the where the bread is chicken. No, this thing is a mess. You, <laughs> you a reason, cannot a re- <laughs> eat it
0: nicely. Rob, there's a reason why bread is is involved in a sandwich, and part of that is neatness.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think we might, as a society, be onto something with this bread thing for sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, I can't remember who it was that replied to us, but they kind of said like it's it's terrible and amazing at the same time, right? Uh, it it it's it's food. It's it's KFC <laughs> chicken, which I like it's cheese, it's barbecue sauce. I mean, there's nothing really not to like, but I'm not no, convinced l- I would get another one.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good there. But 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 when you think about it, what you've done is you have eliminated the innards of your sandwich. So so essentially, the the, the, the inside of your sandwich is nothing but barbecue sauce and cheese because the chicken, which would have been part of that, is now on the outside. And that's what you've got to, I mean, I'm not surprised they give you a little cardboard thing to hold it with.
1: Yeah, it it got pretty. much... I mean, I was eating it in Jess's car. I think. Oh, <laughs> oh God, you're you know, eating I, the
0: car too? <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I was eating it in the car. I mean, <laughs> I know what happens. Least- if I make a mess, I'm just going to have to pay somebody to clean it. You know, we're going to go to the the car wash place and get them to clean the inside of it. But I really didn't want to do that.
0: You weren't driving, were you?
1: No, no, no. I wasn't driving.
0: It. Oh, good. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest that anybody drive and eat a double down. No, definitely not interesting all right so these are like essentially giant chicken nuggets right yeah that's pretty much it yeah breaded and fried and there's cheese inside is the entire chicken part covered with barbecue sauce or do they put that inside like you would maybe put mayonnaise or or mustard or something on a regular sandwich
1: yeah no it's as if it's a regular sandwich so that you know there's I mean, the problem is, I think they put a lot of barbecue sauce on it. So once it's like been wrapped up and put in the little cardboard sleeve, you start getting it out. There's barbecue sauce everywhere because it's kind of just been squeezed out and it's just in the kind of foil wrap.
0: And there's no bread to absorb the, uh, the barbecue sauce, right? So it's just squishing out everywhere, basically. Yes, yeah, All that's right. exactly hey, it. There is this wrapped in a tortilla? Is that what you said? Or is it just in the cardboard?
1: Uh, no, it's in in like a in a wrapped up in foil, um, right, so and then uh, slipped into the cardboard sleeve, like like you know, like you'd get a burrito or, or something like that.
0: Right. So so there's no there's no there's no bread product involved. There's no tortilla. I mean, it's good if you're gluten free, right? I suppose.
1: Uh, I I I mean, I don't know about the sauces and and the like, but yeah, I, the, I guess. Or so. the bread I mean, on the chicken.
0: Yeah, but it's definitely a low carb diet. I would say, if if nothing else.
1: I don't think that I don't think you should imply that maybe it's good for you because that's definitely not the case.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's no, it's probably not a healthy. It's probably not a healthy choice, Rob. But I'm glad that somebody took the bullet for ruminate.
1: Yeah, I, I won't be having one again. Um, I am going to stick to, you know, just chicken wings and drumsticks and, and that right. kind of thing. Um, but I did have something that was really, really good. Right, what's that? <laughs> I had Taco Bell. Just bear with me a second, because as I say, we don't have that many fast food places in the UK, um, and I hadn't had Taco Bell before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- th- there is one reasonably near us. But I, I, I had occasion to go in there, and I had—I don't know—I had a crunch crunch wrap thing. Oh, yeah, I think a it was a good, good choice. Crunch wrap supreme, mm-hmm. um, and it was actually really good.
0: I will let you in on a secret, which is that I, I am a little bit of a Taco Bell aficionado too, but I try not to go there because it, it strikes me as probably the lowest of low fast foods in some respects. When I was studying to be a lawyer, you know, in the United States you have to take a, you have to take a test to become a lawyer after law school. And I had no money, I had no job, and I was studying for the test all summer long. And I had a few dollars, and I would go and I would buy myself two tacos at the local Taco Bell as as my lunch, and so that was my sustenance for an entire summer. Um, and so, because I could only afford the 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 real basic taco, not the supreme one like you got, uh, I would put a lot of a lot of hot sauce on it because that that kind of jazzed it up a little bit. And I I look back fondly on those Taco Bell days, I guess. Uh, these days, I have a son who likes Taco Bell a lot, and I tell him we can only go every six months, <laughs> so almost <laughs> like clockwork <laughs> I think he set a calendar item. He tells me it's time to go to Taco Bell, and so every six months, I will go to taco bell and and get something He likes those you know they have some tacos that have um like dorito shells uh
1: I- I don't know if I saw that on the menu here. Yeah, I, mean, right. I, I think the menus differ quite a lot um, oh, okay. between the US and the UK because you know, I've kind of heard the jokes about Taco Bell that, you know, it's the kind of place you go, as you say, maybe if you've got no job and you're, you know, you you just need something <laughs> cheap or maybe you're drunk or you, you know, all of that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know drunk oh, it makes porn, you ill yes. or that kind of thing. <laughs> like. Honestly, like it was really, really good. I mean, that's probably because it's my first time as well. Yeah, you know, like it, it, it's not the best food in the world, you know. I'm, I'm not an idiot. I can tell that it is what it is. Um, but I was really impressed with with how much I enjoyed
0: it. Well, it, it suffers from the double down effect too, which is that this is not food that you eat while you're driving, right? You don't do the drive through of Taco Bell and try to eat a crunchy taco while you're driving down the highway because it'll just be all down your all down your front. Um oh but, yeah. But what I was the, the taco I was describing and maybe they don't have it in the UK. It's a uh it, it you're familiar with with Doritos generally though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they have kind of that, you know, nasty powdery stuff on the outside? Yeah, the, in the, the flavor. flavoring powder. <laughs> <laughs> whether it's whether it's cool ranch or I don't know zesty whatever. And they make the shell out of that and then they dump the taco ingredients inside of that.
1: Wow, yeah, that
0: sounds a bit like
1: the double down sounds awesome and terrible at the same
0: time. Yeah, they've they've done a lot of double down type stuff, and you know, it, actually, I th- believe that KFC and Taco Bell are owned by the same parent company that Pepsi owns both KFC and Taco Bell. At least that used to be the case.
1: Yeah, I believe is it is it Yum Brands? I think is the uh, yes that the is company exactly. that owns them.
0: That is exactly it.
1: So it's Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut, um, and, and something pizza- called oh. and something called Wing Street, uh, which I've, I've not heard of.
0: I've not heard of that either. That may be in some other part of the world, but but yes, this is in you know this is really where it brings it full circle, and we come all the way back to the micro burger pizza.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all this part is, of the
0: same conglomerate.
1: Yeah, it's. It, it, it's funny that Taco Bell. I, I was looking on their website a minute ago. We we only have about sort of thirty stores in the UK um, oh, all right. for Taco That's Bell. I mean, I think I think they're expanding a bit more now, but they they tend to do this quite slowly. So, um, but I, you know, I, if, if I get the chance, I will be going back again at some point.
0: All right, is this the point where we spring on people that we have since day one been sponsored by Yum Brands? John, you're not supposed to tell anyone. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a secret. Right? It's like product, <laughs> product, product, placement. No, unfortunately, no. I, I wish that were true. That we had a multi-million-dollar deal with young brands, but no, we're just, we're just uh, shilling for their their unhealthy products.
1: Yeah, with, I mean, with, very with no on compensation brand for our whatsoever.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So, I mean, talking so, of
1: things that are uh, on brand. Um,
0: yes, yes, we need to talk about Prime Day.
1: Yeah, you may remember episode twenty-five of our podcast. Uh, the The title was Hundred and Sixty Eight Packets of Cat Food," um, and that was in in two thousand and sixteen. Oh, to the day, twenty uh, fifth oh, of I've July, two thousand and sixteen. Um, and and this was Prime Day where I bought a lot of cat food.
0: Yeah, what have you done, Rob? What have you done?
1: As I say, the last time it was one hundred and sixty-eight. Uh, this time I got two hundred and forty packets the only thing i bought on prime day was cat food
0: (laughs) is this for you or for your cat it's for my cats (laughs) okay all right well i suppose in a a kind of roundabout way it's for you too but because you want to keep your cat happy that's a lot of cat food how so what kind of deal did you get how much does 240 packets of cat food cost may i ask
1: uh, so that cost it was two boxes of 120, and it was uh, twenty pound a box. So it was forty pound for for two hundred and forty yeah. packets. Which I mean, we have two cats, um, right. so you know we need about sixty packets a month. So it's going to last us about four months. So that's you know ten pound a month to keep our cats fed is is pretty good.
0: That's uh, I gotta say that that seems like a a very good deal. I am not a cat person, but that seems like a good deal.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that was it. I didn't buy anything else on Prime Day um you know i convinced a couple of the guys at work uh, or one of the guys you may remember i convinced somebody last year to buy a playstation um oh yeah that same guy got switch this year
0: oh <laughs> so, were they were the, did they have a good deal on switches uh
1: in the uk they did they had a few few different bundles there was there was a mario odyssey bundle a mario right. kart one and i think a mario tennis one as well and they they all varied. Like one of them came with a pro controller. Some came with extra Joy-Cons. Um, yeah, they were, they were pretty good deals.
0: Oh, uh, that's good. I mean, my problem I've always had with Prime Day is like I'll go on and I'll look and I'll see the list of stuff and I'll scroll through. And I just feel like I'm at a flea market or somebody's like yard sale because it's it just most of it feels like junk that Amazon can't sell. Now, I did find myself taking a second look at a couple of 4k tvs because i thought oh if i got a 4k tv for cheap then i could get a ps4 pro bundle with the new spider-man game and that's the slippery slope that amazon wants to take you down but 95 to 99 percent of the stuff just seemed kind of like weird weird one-off junk
1: yeah a lot of it definitely feels like the the kind of stuff that just hasn't sold for the last yeah. 12 months It just kind of sat around like oh yeah, let's let's sell these off now. Um, you know, but, we'll you put know, a discount it, on it, and they'll just try and get rid of it.
0: But it's super successful. They made a ton of money. I mean, it's like the biggest sales day ever. I mean, I gotta maybe I'll do some real time follow up and look it up. But it, I saw some headlines that it they made an amazing amount of money on uh, on all that junk.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, if if there's one thing Amazon can do, it's it's sell crap to people.
0: Uh, well, <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> You should, I'm telling you, you should, uh, you should really work on their, on their tagline. So this is from Bloomberg. And we know that, you know, we know that that's a, that's a a pillar of American journalism, that they sold (laughs) a billion dollars worth of stuff on Amazon Prime Day. That's a lot of dollars.
1: That is a lot of stuff. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people driving across the country, you know, not just the US, but. I think this is worldwide or, you know, it's wherever Amazon is. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of people delivering stuff.
0: They had the dot at 30% off. I guess that was a big seller. Um, oh, yeah.
1: I mean, they, they, if if you buy one of the Echo products at full price, you've been ripped off. Um, you know,
0: because <laughs> yeah, that's true. every, that's very every true. two
1: months, you know, they they drop the dot and that, you know, the dot will be... Thirty-five pound or thirty-five dollars, right. and then they'll drop like the other ones, and they go, "Oh, if you buy three, we'll give you fifty pounds off." You know, they these are constantly on sale because they just want them in people's houses.
0: Yep, I I kind of wonder about the concentration of that revenue. You know, that billion dollars. How much of that is? the super discounted Amazon products versus how much of that is, are things like switches or TVs or whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, it's great. If you can find a bargain, something you need, it's it's awesome. I I have found myself, you know, as much as I give Prime a hard day, give Prime a hard time, I find myself using Amazon more and more frequently. I'm doing, you know, subscriptions for things like, oh, I don't know, uh, tissues and paper towels and you know all that kind of napkins, that sort of thing, and it Amazon is becoming the largest retailer in the world, and you know it's hard to argue with the model because those products, you know, they're they're getting into making their own uh, clothes, they're making their own brand. Uh, paper products a lot of the stuff we that i subscribe to now is amazon branded it's not even the big brands that you would find in you know your local your local grocery store
1: yeah i mean i buy a lot of their um sort of electronic stuff like cables and things like that because oh yeah i mean their lightning cables are are so good like they're really sturdy those things aren't going to break like you know a certain fruit company's ones might um but yeah I, i mean it's i think at this point like Their biggest problem for scale is just the amount of people they still need. Um, You know, there there just isn't enough people that that need jobs or can do the jobs. You know, in the warehouses and delivery and all the other stuff around it. Like that is their problem at this point. Like they, they they've grown so big, but there just isn't enough people. They can't hire enough people quick enough to get all this stuff out on time.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is true in the UK, but one of the things they've done here is it used to be that if you ordered from Amazon, everything came by UPS. And that is not the case anymore. They have a lot of these unmarked white panel vans. Like I got, I actually got something this morning in one of those panel vans. And they also use the U.S. Postal Service. And that's really kind of the worst because I have this really humorous chain of deliveries for this book that I got for one of my kids for high school for this fall. And this is like, this is like an $8 book. This book has been everywhere in America at this point. <laughs> it, uh, it started out in, in Seattle and then it went to California. And after that, it came to the greater Chicago area, but it got lost. It's, it got, it literally got within five miles of my house before they sent it hundreds of miles away in Downstate Illinois, and let's see, I, I can count for you how many cities it's been in the. Right now, it, it's back. It's uh, it's either getting delivered. It's going to get delivered today. So it's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's been in ten different cities in in Illinois. Wow!
1: Yeah, I mean that. <laughs> That can't be particularly efficient for an $8, no. $8 book.
0: I don't know what happened because it seems like the book was doing fine. It quickly went from Seattle to California. Then all of a sudden, you know, on a Saturday morning, oh, it's here. It's like five miles away. It'll be coming non Saturday. All of a sudden, somebody at the post office decided, you know what? We don't think we want to deliver this today. We're going to send it downstate. And so they sent it it hundreds of miles away from here. And it's been meandering around the state ever since. So, I mean, what is it? It's Wednesday. So it's been like on a three- or four-day journey all through central Illinois and working its way back up to uh, northern Illinois. How strange. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It'll come eventually. Fortunately, it's only a $7.50 book. So if uh, (laughs) things don't go well, I'm not not too worried about uh, being too far out.
1: So, um, do you want to tell me about the Maker Fair?
0: All right, sure. So, Maker Fair is there's there's a Maker Magazine, right? And they they started these Maker Fairs, which were uh, get-togethers all around. I, I think initially the United States, and then they've they've gone global at this point. But Maker Fairs are kind of DIY type celebration conventions. So, there's everything there from uh, 3D printers and people creating their own jewelry and robots, uh, mod- modding all sorts of, you know, electronics and that sort of thing. And it's it's really interesting to me. I mean, it's, it's very heavy science, very heavy uh, open source and do-it-yourself type projects. Uh, and I've gone a couple of times to one that they hold in Detroit, the two biggest in the U.S. are probably in the Bay Area, no surprise there, and New York City. But there's a really good sized one in Dearborn, Michigan, which is just outside Detroit. And in Det- in Dearborn, there's the Henry Ford Museum, which is uh, you know named after Ford, who uh, who started Ford Motors, and it's there's two things in Dearborn there's the Henry Ford Museum and Greenfield Village and they're connected and they're 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 related to each other. And Greenfield Village will has historic homes and all sorts of historic technology related things like oh for instance it's like Thomas Edison's boyhood home that that sort of thing. But then oh, okay the music, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of, in a lot of in a lot of instances these things have been dismantled wherever they were and then brought to Greenfield Village and reconstructed and kind of you know set where you can go look at them and learn a little bit about the inventors and other things associated with them. And then there's the Henry Ford Museum and the Henry Ford Museum is a technology museum basically. It's everything from the industrial revolution and you know cars and trains and and steam engines and all that kind of thing, but it it goes all the way to uh, modern inventions, you know, comp- all sorts of computers and, and other things, robotics. And it, it's a great museum. And the Maker Fair is held on the grounds of this museum and Greenfield Village. And so I've been twice. Um, it's pl- It's a place where I first got in inv- interested in 3D printing. You know, there have been things there, like if you've ever watched Storm Chasers on television where, you know, they had these guys in these trucks that are, look like a little bit like tanks that are driving, trying to drive into the center <laughs> of a tornado. I mean, they had those, that kind of thing there where you could go and tour it and look at it and, and actually talk to the people who did some of the storm chasing, which I always thought was really interesting. And I would take my boys to these. I went to a couple of them in the past, as I said. And this summer, it's this weekend— Maker Faire is back in Detroit, and Stephen Hackett's going to be there. And he Stephen's going to be there doing a couple things. One is he is speaking twice at, I think, like 4 or 4.15 in the afternoon on Saturday and then again on Sunday, and he's going to be doing a talk on getting started with podcasting, which I think would be a really interesting talk to listen to. But he's also there because if you've listened to Connected before, you might know that Stephen collected iMacs, the original iMac, the one with the, you know, the translucent backside that was various colors. And he collected all colors of those and then donated them to the Henry Ford Museum, to their permanent collection. And so the the museum is doing an exhibit of translucent technology, basically. They'll have like, you know, see-through telephones. sounds amazing. Yeah, (laughs) see-through telephones, computers. And so Stephen's uh, collection of iMacs, the G3 iMac, is going to be part of that exhibit. And so he's going to be there to see that and also to speak at the thing. And I haven't been, I think I went to the Maker Fair last, maybe three or four years ago, something like that. And so I figured, you know what, I'm going to head out and I'm going to go uh, check it out. So he's going to be there and I'm going to be there and I'm just going to be hanging around, walking around, checking things out. If any listeners happen to be in the area, say hello. But I'll be at S- Stephen's talk and just hanging out with him and, and uh, I really want to see. I, what I really want to see is Stephen seeing the IMAX for the first time in a museum.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's very very cool. I, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he put a lot of effort into getting those, and you know, doing all the cool videos that he did and photographing them, and then you know, of course, he's then sat in an office with twenty something IMAX yes. that he didn't know what to do with, and the fact that they're like in a museum and you know being used for good i guess you know they're in a decent place they weren't just like chucked in a landfill or you know hidden away somewhere like they're in a museum which is really cool so that like other people can go see them and stuff like that so yeah i'm kind of jealous that you're going to this i mean i don't think it's particularly viable for me to uh get there by this weekend but
0: yeah probably not but yeah it, it is really cool and you know it's one of those things where it's like you know how much care he takes and the stuff that the computers that he collects that the Henry Ford Museum was interested in his collection because he didn't just collect any IMAX; he collected perfect examples of each color of the iMac. So, I mean, I he's I, I think he's told this story on Connected before, but you know, he, when he donated them and he he I think he interviewed one of the curators of the museum on that podcast at one point, maybe last summer. But they sent an a giant semi-trailer truck to his house with a team of people who came and collected his, I think it's 13 IMAX and bundled them up in all sorts of protective, you know, padding and then crates. You know, the kind of thing you would expect someone to come and visit if if you're donating a Vincent Van Gogh painting or something. You know, they came to to his house, parked this giant truck in front of his house, and then uh, spent literally almost an entire day packing up 13 computers and putting them on this truck and then driving them up from Memphis up to Detroit, which was pretty cool. And I'm I'm excited to see them because I've never, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen the pictures that he's had on his website at 512 pixels. And I've seen the pictures, which are this in his, uh, the same, the iBook that he did about the history of the iMac. And, but I've never seen any of these in person. And I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing those and just Hanging out uh and, and enjoying fair because it's just one of those things that's an interesting celebration of everything, techie and DIY and and it it's a nice atmosphere, kind of a carnival atmosphere.
1: Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, you know, maybe post some pictures or um which I, I imagine you you probably will at some point Yeah, you it's, know I will. Yeah, it, it sounds really good. Um, like I say, if I if If it was a little bit easier for me to get there, I'd definitely be coming.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? If you see one in the UK or somewhere, definitely go sometime because they're a lot of fun. And it's, um, I think I don't know, like I'm going with my one of my sons, and it's like thirty dollars each to go for the day. Um, and it's just for us, it's easy because it's only like a four and a half hour drive. So we'll we'll just spend a couple of days. My parents happen to live nearby, so I'll spend a little time with them and spend a day at the Maker Fair, and, and it'll be a lot of fun. So, Rob, the other thing I got going on this weekend, not this weekend, the other thing I've got going on this summer is we are doing big updates to Blink. And by we, I mean... Me and my lead developer, which is my oldest son, Owen, are both updating Blink for iOS, and there's an all-new Blink for Mac coming. Is, is this an exclusive? It is kind of an exclusive, although I think it's been randomly teased here and there by me and others. But, but yeah, it's, it's coming soon, probably mid-August. Uh, what, what Blink for iOS does now is it's going to sync via iCloud all of your tokens, which just makes it kind easier. Nice. Yeah, it just makes it easier for using from the you know, iPhone, iPad. But that all, iCloud sync will also work with the Mac ver- version, and the the Mac version does everything iOS does. But it's also got a menu bar app that will say you know you go to a website and you copy a iTunes URL. You can set it so that it automatically copies it, which is a little bit like what there's a, there's another app that's out there called Affiliates that. Uh, A lot of people have used in the past to do that. But what's nice about Blink is not only does it do what that app does, but it also has a a full-fledged Mac app where you can do the searches. Everything's navigable by keyboard, so you don't have to take your fingers off the keyboard if you don't want to. You can... Use keyboard shortcuts to copy the the links. You can copy the description of the app. You can copy the release notes. All that stuff easily switch between tokens really quickly. Uh, it's it's really the full fledged iOS app plus a little bit, which is which is nice. And and iOS just comes along for the ride and gets some of the nice features like the iCloud sync, uh, better keyboard shortcuts, and um, some really cool easy swipe gestures for copied links. So instead of having to go to the share sheet and find Blink and tap that and then tap copy, you can literally, you can just swipe the row of search results and quickly copy a link without having to do anything else, which is, which is pretty cool. So it's, you know, this is one of those things where Blink has been, Blink's not a big moneymaker by any stretch of the imagination, especially on iOS. I mean, the number of people who really need an affiliate linking app for iTunes who write on, on iOS is pretty limited, but it happens to include the Mac Stories team. So I make it primarily for the Mac Stories team now, and any sales I get in addition to that, I just kind of view it as a bit of a bonus. Um, but now nah, I don't really have a ton of time to do development anymore because I've got enough other stuff going on between writing and podcasting. So... Owen, who's my oldest son, who's a student at Berkeley in California, he is doing all the development now. And I just kind of handle the business end of things and the marketing and all that jazz. So um, it's been fun to work with him on it. And it's getting really, really, really close. We're just kind of finalizing some things. And then there's like, you know, as soon as you have the app ready, you realize how much else there is to do between screenshots and preview videos and contacting Press people and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's a little daunting with other things going on, but we'll get it out, and it'll get out before the end of the summer. Nice, yeah. I mean,
1: you know me. I'm going to be much more excited about a Mac version than I am an iOS uh, yeah. version because you know, you know, you know that's not what I do. I, I don't, you know, I don't really use iOS for that kind of stuff. But you know, on the Mac, that's a lot more useful to me. Um, you know, and especially with the search and stuff because obviously the the iTunes store now is is basically just movies and tv shows um you know you right you can't really search for apps anymore there's there's some weird loopholes where you can still get apps to load in itunes when you click links from certain places but of course you know that that's no good for for searching so um right yeah i'll be i'll be excited to give it a try when it's when it's out
0: yeah it's um i've been using it literally for months now for all of my writing on mac stories and that's that's why I'm pretty comfortable that it's ready to go because it's really down to the, even the little things like there'll be times when I'm getting the newsletter together and I have to come up with a bunch of links really quickly. So what I'll do is I'll you know, search, copy, search, copy, search, copy. And so that has allowed me to kind of fine tune little things like where's the focus of the cursor after you're done doing a search so that you can – search for another and copy another link in the fewest number of steps without having to, you know, tap back, you know, click back into the search field and then command a, you don't have to do any of that. It's, it's all set up so that it's done with the minimal number of minimal minimal number of clicks and taps on the keyboard. So I think it's going to be, I think that that should be pretty, uh, pretty popular in the Mac. At least I'm hoping it will be.
1: Yeah, that sounds really good. I mean, that's, that's exactly the kind of thing I want from a, from a Mac app, especially something like that, where it's a, uh, a single use utility kind of sounds like a, a bad thing, but you, you know, it, it, it does one thing very well, you know, the search and, and create, generate the link. So, you know, if it's really quick to use and, and easy to use, like that's, you know that's that's great that's exactly what i want from my mac apps
0: yeah it's interesting because i you know obviously there was a lot rumored about marzipan and things as we were working on this and i i actually started this i don't know gosh it's been probably 18 months to 2 years ago i started working on a mac app and I handed it over to Owen, and he looked at my code and he started over, which <laughs> is probably the, <laughs> the, the the best route to go. Uh, but but the general design is is along the lines of what I had I had envisioned originally. Um, but it, it's one of those things where we thought about stopping and waiting to see what happened with marzipan. But in the end, I think it's probably a little better served to be a full blown app kit app. Well, I guess time will tell whether it would be easier for this to be unified and maybe down the road, the two, you know, the, the two would be combined in some sort of single binary that gets deployed across different, different platforms. But for now, I think it, it works really well as a, as a standalone app kit app and it'll be on the Mac app store. Uh, we're not going to, it's just not worth the, the, the pain to sell it separately on a, uh, our own website for now. So, It'll be on the Mac App Store, and hopefully someday we'll actually even be able to do a bundle between iOS and Mac OS, but unfortunately you can't do that at the moment with the way the app stores work.
1: Yeah, that, that would be pretty nice, you know, just not related to Blink specifically, but yeah, that would be nice if you could just pay one fee, you know, one price and, you know, get a whole suite of apps, you know, I can imagine this working very well for something like OmniFocus, where, yep. you know, they're very expensive apps, you know, I don't know, Whether it's worth it to you or not is kind of irrelevant, but, you know, they are expensive as apps go, you know, and if they could offer some kind of big discount for buying the whole suite, like I can imagine that'd be really useful, but, you know, we'll have to see. They've only just updated the Mac App Store, or you know, ready for September, so (laughs) maybe let's give it a year before we expect that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, anyway, so keep an eye out. Eh, We'll be coming soon and uh, we'll mention it again, I guess, when when it's actually out. But Rob, I want to know a little bit about your your binge-watching of the Fast and Furious series.
1: Yeah. This, um, I I think some people have been confused about why the hell I would do this.
0: Um, (laughs) I don't know. uh, I've watched uh, all these movies. They're they're fun movies.
1: Yeah. The thing, right, so when I was, I don't know, 14, 15 maybe, um, you know, I had a few DVDs, not many, um, and two of them were the first fast and furious film and the second one and and I would watch them all the time because like I, said, I maybe had like five or six dvds maybe maybe 10 uh, you know so I kind of watching the same films over and over again and I loved these movies as a, you know when back then and then you know they kind of released there was Tokyo Drift which I never saw and you know sort of it didn't really do very well so I just assumed oh you know that's kind of the end of it and then you know there's a bunch more movies and I'm like there's eight total now And, um, I just kind of never really got round to watching them all and, you know, in order and and, and making sure that I'd seen them all. I think I'd seen one or two of the later ones. Um, and Jess has, has gone away. So I I found myself with an abundance of, of time to fill. Um, and I, she is coming,
0: she is coming back just in case anybody's wondering.
1: Uh, Yeah. She is coming back hopefully.
0: Um, (laughs) so she says, so she says,
1: yeah. Um, so I found myself with an abundance of time and I thought, well, eight movies, that's like 16 hours worth of cars driving around, blowing stuff up. Um, let's go for it. And I just kind of went in, um, and I am halfway through the last one. Um, so I haven't actually, I haven't completely finished, uh, but I'm nearly there.
0: Wow. Um, I've seen a bunch of your tweets and it's been fun to watch you go through them because while I think, I think I've seen them all. I certainly haven't watched them in any short span of time. It's been over a period of years. And I can't even I, I have to say I don't think most of them have a particularly memorable storyline that that really sticks with me. But there's some great chase scenes and crashes and you know, probably at the pinnacle of that is the one that you tweeted just I think it was was it either today or maybe yesterday. Yeah, the, it was yesterday. Yeah, where the, where the car is going from one tower to another in I don't I don't remember what the setting was for that.
1: It's uh Abu Dhabi, I believe. I think is uh, where they were. Yes. It, was, it was somewhere like that. I think that's where they were. They actually do that twice. Um there is three <laughs> buildings um and they do it between all three buildings. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, they they really really committed to that. Um that stunt I'd, I'd say stunt. I mean, obviously they didn't do it. Uh, I assume a lot of that was done with these computers that I've heard a lot about that are ruining oh. movies. <laughs> apparently,
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, what you, what we need, you need to do is take a screenshot and send it to Joe Steele and have him circle all the bits where it's where they get it wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's what everybody wants, I think. Um, but I, I solicited a few questions um, on Twitter because I, I mean. Right. the the first question I got, this was before I even asked for questions, was from Robbie, and he, he just said, why? Um, which I think I've, I've pretty much explained. I had some time, you know, I, I kind of wanted to watch them all, so I just went for it.
0: And why not, Robbie? I mean, why not? It's a life experience, right, Rob?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly something about, probably about the third or fourth movie, I was thinking, God, what am I doing? Like, I really need a break from this. But I kind of committed myself, and I was enjoying them, and I still am. But um, I was kind of questioning some of my choices at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, it has its moments, but but you know when they, st- the, I I think those those movies obviously suffer from the moments when they decide to take themselves seriously and have a lot of dialogue. They're much better just you know chasing cars around really quickly.
1: Yeah, def- yeah, definitely. I, I did a little bit of research because I was curious, you know, like, you know, they're, they're making these, there's another two coming plus a spin-off. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a spin-off coming with uh, with The Rock's character and somebody else. Um, yeah. I think it might be Jason Statham's character. You do know so, that you know.
0: The, Ro- the Rock and I are tight, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you and him are, uh, are, are good friends.
0: Get, get ready to boogie. I think that's what he told me.
1: I think it was. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I did some research on this. Like, I went on uh, Box Office Mojo, um, which kind of gives you all the information about movies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And in terms of franchises, The Fast and Furious is only a little bit behind uh, the DC Universe, Jurassic Park, um, and and then Spider Man. Like, it's about eleventh or twelfth in terms of money made by franchises. But
0: oh, that's, that's pretty respectable. good
1: for that's pretty good for for movies that are. Basically, just people driving around. I mean, it, it's made 1.5 billion dollars.
0: Yeah, I mean, I assume it gets beaten by things like Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, any Marvel stuff, that kind of thing, right? Batman. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, the, the top ones are Marvel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, uh, Batman. It's actually above Star Trek, which I'm I'm kind of amazed by.
0: Um, well, I mean, I know some, there were some really bad Star Trek movies. Sorry. Oh no,
1: yeah, of course, <laughs> but. Uh... But yeah, I mean, you know, I think they've done pretty well, given what the premise of the the movies are.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, that's interesting. So so what else? I mean, I guess Thomas had a question for you. Thomas wanted to know, how does Tokyo Drift really hold up in retrospect?
1: Yeah, and he also had a second question, which I think kind of comes into this one as well, which, like, what would be my recommended watch order? Um, oh, you know, interesting. Or, and he, he also said kind of minimum watch order to enjoy the last one. Um, which I'm only halfway through, but I kind of get, I get the gist of what's going on. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Tokyo Drift is the one, it was a weird one at the time because it came out and it didn't have any of the characters from the first two movies. Like Paul Walker wasn't in it. um, He was the only one who was in the first two, Um, but it didn't have any characters. And what they've done retroactively is made it, it fits into fast and furious six, tokyo drift is technically sort of chronologically it's it's after number six
0: all right interesting
1: um it's it's all right it's not bad um i mean it to be honest it's the one with the most car driving in it like if if that's what you enjoy about the movies like there's more car driving in tokyo drift than any of the other movies
0: yeah i that that's what i remember too i remember there was nothing but wall-to-wall cars
1: yeah i mean again i, I would i don't think it's the worst it's, it's not the best one i've watched um, and in terms of sort of minimum minimum amount of movies to enjoy the last one i don't think it matters I, any th- there's a vague story that you know sort of is it's just layered over the top of all this stuff but in reality you could jump in and watch any of these and you'd be fine
0: yes and that's i guess why i've always enjoyed them it's like all right, I can't find any movie that I want to watch, and but there's still that that Fast and Furious we've never seen. Plus, they show up on things like HBO and Hulu and, I don't know, other other streaming services. This is kind of like one of those filler movies that you find a lot on other streaming services.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the UK, they've just arrived on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, oh, okay. This was two weeks after I bought them. On iTunes, of um, course, but it, but it was fine. They were on sale. I'm, I was, you know, quite happy to buy them if it means I've got them. But, um, but yeah, like you say, they they're just fun. Like I think, especially with The Rock in them now. Like this is mostly what The Rock does. Like you see the kind of movies that he makes. There's that Rampage one where he's fighting
0: like huge dinosaurs. Did and, you wa- Did you see that? No, I haven't watched that. Oh, I was going to say, should I watch it? Because I was tempted <laughs> to last weekend. I was like, this this weird white ape thing, I was like, eh, I don't know, maybe this, my, my family might ha- hate me if I rent this.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, there's this Skyscraper, which I
0: think is another one of
1: his where, you know, I think the poster is him like jumping off a crane into a building, and right. but that's kind of what I like about him and the movies. He knows they're ridiculous. Like, he's just making fun movies. He's not trying to make right. like Oscar winning, deep, sort of cult, like classic movies. They're just kind of fun. Like, who cares if if you enjoy yourself for two hours or whatever? Then isn't that all that matters?
0: Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I mean, those they're they're perfect escapist type movies. Yeah, that's you know I, I've enjoyed myself. It's been good. oh no, that's good. I uh, I you've you've actually made me want to go back and and check some more of them out again because it's been a little while since I've done it.
1: Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. We did we did get one other question um, what, what from Dave. What Dave, uh, uh, Dave Darns? Oh, yes. Yes, David uh, Darns, uh, previous and one and only guest host of Ruminate. Uh, the,
0: the David Darns,
1: Exactly. Uh, and he said, how furious do you feel? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I, I feel the right amount of fast and furious.
0: Uh, oh, well, that's, that, that, that's the perfect answer. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of people would like to feel that fast and furious. And I, I think that uh, David's right on, right on point with this question.
1: Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to be uh, t- too fast or, or too furious. Oh.
0: No, <laughs> I just sent you my rock tweet.
1: Okay, let, let me see. Oh yes, I remember this now. That that was good fun. I will. Uh, I will put that in the show notes.
0: It was fun. It was. I, it was. I, I. I do remember sitting at the at the dinner table on a Sunday night when the Rock tweeted me, and my and my uh, and my Twitter just completely blew up, and it, my kids thought it was pretty funny. I like to remember. I like to remind them that I'm I'm good friends with The Rock, which is not true. But you know, well, I mean, he's
1: tweeted you more times than he's tweeted me. So there you go. go. You're doing all
0: right. It's something to aspire to, Rob.
1: Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Well, let's let's draw a line under it there before you know we do any more (laughs) Fast and Furious puns or anything else like that, Um,
0: or or just general damage.
1: Yeah. So yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. This, is, so. this was episode 68. I think oh. we've done pretty well. That's uh, In a couple of weeks, sort of two or three weeks, it would have been three years since we started the podcast, which is pretty cool.
0: How about that? That's awesome.
1: So, uh, so yeah, show notes will be on the website. Me and you are on Twitter. I'm at UK, You're at John Voorhees. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. See you then.